Hey everybody, welcome to my podcast. My name is Steve Hutto and I want to thank you for joining me for a session one of a brand new series entitled Presentation is Everything. We'll say that again. Presentation is everything. And I'm going to base that off of Romans chapter 6, verse 16, where Paul says this. He says, Do you not know that when you present yourselves to someone as slaves for obedience, you are slaves to the one whom you obey, either of sin resulting in death or of obedience resulting in righteousness. So it's very important, even as Christians, who and what we present ourselves to. You know, in Romans 3, it says the wages of sin is death. Even a born-again Christian, if he or she presents himself or herself to sin to certain areas of sin, then according to Paul, which is the scripture, we become slaves to that. And the wages, the result, the harvest of sin, even for a Christian, um, is going to be a form of death into our lives. But the main thing that I want to hit on in this series is that we need to be careful who and what we present ourselves to. As a matter of fact, we should present ourselves only to God uh, as living and holy sacrifices. But we're going to be looking at Romans chapter 6 as a whole. And before I get into that, and we won't do it all in this session, but before I get into that, um, let me just say a little bit about Romans chapter 5. It's kind of a a good chapter to read, obviously, before you read chapter 6. But I can't cover all that in one session, so make it a point to read that. But Romans chapter 5 deals with justification by faith in Jesus Christ. It also, Paul talks about the fact that by one man, that would be Adam, of course, Adam and Eve and their fall in the Garden of Eden. But by one man, Adam gets the credit because he was head of the household. Sin entered into the world. And of course, when sin came, the Bible tells us, that death came with it, and everything associated with death came in as well when sin came in, like sickness and disease and depression and and things like that. And so by one man, through one man, sin entered into the world. And Romans chapter 5 says that also 2,000 years ago for us, by one man, righteousness came and was made available to whosoever would call upon Jesus. So what Adam and Eve messed up in the Garden of Eden, Jesus came and he corrected that for us. And so now we can be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, not based on our works or our performance, but based on what Jesus did for us and trusting him and believing what he did. Now, as I begin to read chapter 6, verse 1, let me just say that one of the last things that Paul talks about in chapter 5 of Romans is the fact that, of course, sin reigned uh, in death from the point that Adam and Eve fell, but that sin wasn't imputed to us until the law came in, which is holy and righteous. The law is God's standard Um, that he accepts um, righteousness. I mean, it's his acceptable standard. Well, we're fallen, thanks to Adam, and so we couldn't attain to that. But Paul says 
that the law came in basically to bring up the sin and show us that we need grace. He was getting ready to bring in Jesus, of course. And so Paul said that the law came in so that the sin could increase and so that we would see that we were helpless and we would need a Savior. So in Romans chapter 6, verse number 1, Paul says, What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin so that grace may increase? Well, obviously, his answer is, may it never be. Now listen to this. He asks a question here. He says, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? That's a legitimate question. And you know what? That question can be asked from two different perspectives. The first one, uh, perspectives. The first one I'm going to share with you is the correct one. So this is what Paul is, is really asking. He's saying, how is it possible that we who are dead to sin, how could we still live in it? I mean, how is that even possible? But the other perspective is like this. Well, how shall we who died to sin still live in it? What can I do to get as close to that sin line without crossing it and still remain righteous. That's the way a lot of Christians think. They don't think about, man, I'm dead to sin. I'm alive to God. They don't, they don't think about the fact that what Jesus did, we're connected to when we accept Him. And so many Christians try to continue to perform or on the other side of that coin, they perhaps try to get away with what they can and still be in right standing with God. So in other words, they're saying, well, how shall I? What can I do to still live in sin even though I'm dead to sin? That's the wrong perspective. Back to the right perspective, and that is simply this. How is it possible? How could it possibly be that we who are dead to sin would still live into or in sin? And so Paul goes on in verse uh, 3 of Romans chapter 6. We're talking about presentation. We're working toward that is everything. Who we present our to ourselves to, what we present ourselves to determines who we obey and who we become slaves to, Christian or not Christian. Verse 3, Or do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus have been baptized into his death? What is he talking about? Well, the word baptized there is the Greek word baptizo, and it just has to do with immersion. You know, baptism in water has to do with being immersed in water, which is an outward declaration of an in, inward commitment, commitment that we make when we serve Jesus. But Paul is not necessarily talking about water baptism being the thing that connects us to his death. He's talking about salvation. When you got saved... And when I got saved, we were immersed into Jesus Christ. And when we were immersed into Jesus, we were also immersed into his death. Remember, Paul is saying, how shall we who died to sin still live in sin? And so Paul is saying this, when we got saved, we connected with the death of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, we died with him. And so he goes on to say in verse 4, he says, Therefore, we have been buried with him through baptism into death. That's through salvation. So that as Christ 
was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in the newness of life. Now, explains it more clearly here in verse 5. He says, For if we have become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be united with him in the likeness of his resurrection. So let's talk about that just for a few minutes. So when you got saved, if you're saved, when I got saved, I know I'm saved. <laughs> I never questioned that, never have. I love Jesus. I'm wild about him. I love, I love serving him. I love obeying him. Not perfectly, <laughs> but thank God for grace and mercy. But I, I love doing what's right. And what I consider is right is doing what the word of God says. And what God will tell you to do will always line up with the word of God. That's why we should always study the word of God and know the word of God. But when we got saved, when a person gets saved, immediately they die. They're connected with the death of Jesus. But at the same time, we are also connected to his resurrection life. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says that we become new creatures, new creation. All new things have come. The old stuff has passed away. And Paul will address that even in this passage as well. So we become connected with the death of Jesus, and we begin to walk in the newness of life, listen carefully, which is the same life that Jesus came up out of the grave in, and he began living again to God his Father. So if we've been buried with him through baptism, so that as we have been, so that as Christ was raised from the dead for again, through the glory of the Father, we too walk in newness of life. Verse 5, For if we have become united with him, I think I read that already, but that's okay, in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Verse 6, Knowing this, we've got to know this, you as a born-again Christian, you've got to know this, and here it is, that our old self, our old man, the Greek word is anthropos, it refers to the man uh, of mankind, people. Our old self, our old male, uh, our old man was crucified with him in order that our body of sin might be done away with so that we would no longer be slaves to sin. Did you know that when you're a slave to sin before you get saved, then you live by the five senses. You live according to the flesh. And you probably know this, but a lot of times, well, all the time, we're lost in sin and we're slaves of sin. We're bound to sin until we meet Jesus Christ and we die to sin and we begin living to our, our Savior, Jesus and God the Father. But listen to this now. I'm going to skip over, or not skip over, but jump over because I'm coming back to Romans 6 to Galatians 2.20. Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ, and it's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and this is key, gave himself up for me. Paul is basically saying, when I had my Damascus Road experience, I mean, if you don't know what that is, that's when Jesus just knocked him off his ride, and, and he met Jesus. He had a truly 
come to Jesus moment. He came to Jesus. It changed his life. He wrote over half the New Testament and it changed the world as well because what Paul wrote is in the Bible. It's part of the scripture. But Paul says, I've been crucified with him. But he didn't mean that he just died a physical death at the point he got saved. He meant that he connected in his physical body and his spirit, of course, with the death that Jesus Christ died on the cross because he went on to confirm that the life that I now live in the flesh, which, listen, that tells us that God has a plan for us. When we get saved, it's not just about going to heaven and not going to hell. It's about giving our lives to Jesus. And Paul said, the life that I now live in the flesh, this is sometime after he had this experience and got saved. So in the flesh, he says, now walking according to my five senses and now even more so according to the Holy Spirit, you know, because Paul still had to eat and drink and, and uh, live in this life. He says, this life in this earth, on this earth, before I go to be with Jesus, I live by faith in Jesus who loved me, and watch this, gave himself up for me. And I'm going to talk about that for just a few minutes in a moment. That's key, that he gave himself up for us. But now back to Romans chapter 6 and verse number 7. Paul says, he who has died is freed from sin. Now listen, y'all. I've seen a lot of dead people since I was a young child by going to the funeral home and, and viewing dead bodies. Some were family. Some were uh, close friends. Some were friends. Some were just people that were kind of known in our community that maybe I didn't know personally, especially as a child, but I knew who they were. And I've seen a lot of dead people laying in a casket to be viewed. It's just part of our culture that we do it that way. But let me tell you what I haven't seen in the time that I've lived, and I've lived a year or two. <laughs> anyway, I have never seen a corpse rise up after dying, being embalmed, put in the casket, and man just start sinning. I've never seen that. I've never, you know, Hitler, as hideous as he was, and all the, 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 the terrible things that he did, one thing's for certain, when he died, I think he committed suicide maybe, but you know what? When he died, when his spirit left his body, and we have an idea where that spirit might go, we're not the judge, but unless something changed, well, we won't discuss that now, but his body he left behind. When he died, his spirit left his body, it never sinned again. He never conquered another nation. He never persecuted another uh, people group. He never murdered or executed anybody else. You know why? Because dead people cannot sin. They don't sin. As a matter of fact, dead people can't do anything. So certainly, he who has died, because he's connected with Jesus' death through salvation, is freed from sin. Now, I want you to hear that. If you're born again of the Spirit of God, then you have died to sin. You have to know that. You have to believe that. You can't go strictly by your five senses. You can't go by what people say. You can't go by what, how you feel. You have to go by what the Word of God says about you. And listen, my friend, you have to believe it. You are dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. And remember, Paul said that, that Jesus loved us and gave him self up for us. Let's go on to verse 8 here. Paul says, Now, if we have died with Christ, 
we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, now watch this, is never to die again. He's never going to die again. Death is no longer master over him. Listen, death never was master over Jesus. What Jesus did was he submitted unto death. I'll talk about that in just a minute. And then he died to sin. So the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, the scripture says, Paul said in verse 10, that he lives to God. Just like Paul is talking about us. Because when we're born again, we're connected to his death and also to the resurrection life that brought him up out of the grave so that we too walk in newness of life. <clears throat> now listen carefully to this. The purpose of Jesus going to the cross was not only just to shed his blood for us. Thank God that he did, and that is very important. I just did a whole series on the blood of Jesus and how it atones because the life of the flesh, in this case, the life of Jesus, is in the blood. He poured it out for us because the life is in the blood. God himself said that causes atonement. If there, the life wasn't in the blood, the blood wouldn't do anything. But because it is, it causes atonement. But that's not all that Jesus did on the cross. The purpose that Jesus went to the cross for was also to die to sin. He had to die to sin on our behalf. Listen to me carefully. The sin that Jesus took upon himself, and let me just say this, that Jesus took upon himself on the cross all the sins of the world, past, present, and future, for everyone who's ever lived and that ever will live, that's living even now. Jesus took upon himself 2,000 years ago at God's appointed time, Romans 5, 6, at the right time, he died for the ungodly, and he bore those sins for you and me. We were supposed to receive the guilt and the punishment for those sins, but we couldn't help ourselves. Again, Romans 5, 6 is the, the reference. Um, for while we were still helpless, Paul says, at the right time, Jesus died for the ungodly. Man, that's powerful. But listen, it wasn't the crucifixion process that killed Jesus. It wasn't the nails in the hands and the feet, the spear in the side, the, the crown of thorns, the plucking out of his beard, and the, the various uh, things that they did, the, the cat of nine tails, 39 lashes that ripped him to shreds and caused him to bleed profusely. started even the night before in the Garden of Gethsemane as he sweated drops of blood. It wasn't all of that torture, my friend, that killed Jesus. It didn't overcome Jesus. The sin didn't overcome Jesus. Jesus didn't, let me put it this way, Jesus was not killed. He didn't give himself, he didn't give his life, he didn't volunteer, that's the way I want to put it, to die to be killed for us. He in, but he did volunteer to give himself up for us and in that manner to die for us. So get this picture. All of the sin of the world is on Jesus. He was on the cross, I, I believe, about six hours, and three of those hours, it got completely dark. It wasn't a bad thunderstorm. 
It was all of the sin that had ever been created, all that Satan could ever and ever will muster up, and all of his demonic forces was heaped on one man in one region at one time, and it was so much darkness that the atmosphere and the world began to, to, to just be... Um, I mean, it grossed them out, you know, repulsed, I guess is a better word. The earth even shook. And so Jesus, for three hours, was under the weight of all the sin of the world. It was dark from 12 noon to 3 o'clock in the afternoon. And you know what? When Jesus, at the end of that time, uh, said it's finished, I don't believe that Jesus was talking about the work of the, the entire work of the cross was finished. Why is that? Because Jesus had to come up out of the grave. He had to rise three days later. He had to appear for a few days on the earth. He had to go back to the Father. And 50 days after his crucifixion, he had to pour out the Holy Spirit, which he had promised. And that established the church. All of that was the work of the cross. So I don't believe that when Jesus said it, it's finished, he meant the whole work of the cross. He was still in process. But what I do believe he meant was he had finished bearing our sins. And then when he was finished, he said, it is finished. And at that moment, he bowed his head, the scripture says, and he gave up his spirit. He wasn't killed. He wasn't overcome by death. He wasn't overcome by the crucifixion process or even by the heaviness of the sins upon him. He literally said, enough is enough. And you know, I don't know if God determined that or he did or the Holy Spirit, but at some point, it was enough and Jesus said it's finished, he had borne our sins, and then he voluntarily gave up his spirit. He, you know, the, 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 the uh, Greek means, another definition, that is he literally transmitted his spirit out of his body. Now that's someone that has authority over death and life. No one else could do that because he was God in the flesh. Now, I'm getting short on time, but let me just say this, that Jesus went to the cross. One of the main things he went to the cross for, yes, was to, share, uh, to shed his blood for us, but it was also to bear our sins on the cross and then die to sin. So now that when Jesus has finished the work of the cross and he's at the right hand of the Father and whoever will call upon his name shall be saved in this, this day and age, just like uh, when Jesus, uh, the church was, was founded or established right after Jesus went back to, you know, for 2,000 years you call upon the name of Jesus, you mean it, you get saved. And when you do, friend, what happens is you connect to his death and his life, meaning you die to sin, just like Jesus did. You couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. It wouldn't make any difference if we, were, if we volunteered our own life to die in our place for ourselves. It wouldn't work. Jesus did it for us. And the second you get saved, you also begin to walk in that newness slash resurrection life that Jesus came up out of the grave with. So with all that said, let me go back to verse 10 and we're going to close. For the death that he died... He died to sin once for all, but the life that he lives, he lives to God. And then verse 11, even so, in the same way, he says, consider yourselves to be dead to sin and alive to God in Christ. Or actually, he says, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ. Verse 12 
Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you may obey its lusts. Verse 13, and we're going to close with this. And do not go on, in other words, don't continue presenting the members of your body to sin, because remember, that's who you become slaves of, as instruments of unrighteousness. But, remember, presentation is everything. Present yourselves to God as those alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. Man, I'm telling you what, folks, that is some good stuff. I'm going to be right back after this and close everything out. Hello, everybody. This is Steve Hutto with Harvest Missions. Harvest Missions is a nonprofit missions organization formed to take Jesus to other parts of the world. Currently, we are working in Honduras, India, and the Dominican Republic. Your regular support of Harvest Missions enables us to offer sponsorships of children from Honduras, assist pastors in Honduras and India, and do missionary work in the Dominican Republic. Would you prayerfully consider becoming a regular supporter of Harvest Missions? All donations are secure through PayPal and tax-deductible. For more information, visit our website at www.harvestmissions.org. That's www.harvestmissions.org. Or you can email us at info at harvestmissions.org. Thank you.